Welcome, Pathfinders, to After Party 20. 20. 20. Yes, 20. Our after parties are almost old enough to drink now. We've been here a while. <laughs> we already made that joke. I know, but I, I don't have any new material, guys. I'm sorry. I've been really busy with work. I haven't had time to like get pop culture references ready. So uh, episodes 58, 59, and 60. Oh, are, are here's one. Covering. We almost have as many after parties as there are movies leading up to Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> There you uh, go. Uh, that was a much better joke. Infinity War, to be specific. Right, so oh, did you guys it. see that they're doing an Infinity Saga box set that's all 22 movies? Yeah. Holy crap. I'm going to have to own that in my life. So step and it up, that. Marvel. <laughs> Man. <laughs> it only took us a year. <laughs> so, anyway, this is not the Disney podcast. Anyway, I guess we're talking about episode 58. Yes. After Party 60, we'll cover 58, 59, and 60. 57 ended on a cliffhanger for the fight with 58, and 58 was the fight against Gaunt Cadaver. Where my daylight spell-like ability came into play for the first time ever. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it was a a spell that just kind of shut down a combat, which was a little surprising. (laughs) Uh, How long have you had that on your, like... It's a abilities. racial ability for being an Azamar, but so, when have I ever needed to use it before Yeah, now? yeah, yeah. So it's been like a, a couple of episodes of first because like a couple of episodes back, I finally remember that I am a lucky cat and uh, now that, we have, yeah, you, we have a that. I was aware ability. that I've had daylight this whole time. I just haven't needed to use it. I know, it's, but it's it finally came into situation play. specific. Yours is applicable to many situations. <laughs> All situations, in fact, because I can always be in danger. That, that is technically true. So they spent the whole fight blinded, which made it a heck of a lot easier than if they could have seen us. Yeah, and fell into one of those interesting situations where uh, undead are immune to anything that requires a fortitude save, but that blindness doesn't actually allow for a save. Uh-huh. So despite the fact that undead are routinely immune to anything that's like blindness, they are not specifically immune to blindness. And that's what they get for They're having just immune light- to like a spell that allows a fortitude that's save. That's what they have for giving light sensitivity. Yeah, I've got to remember that in the future if I ever have any, I don't know, like vampire drugs drow or something. Yeah. They'd still sub- be subject to I want to play a vampire drow. That'd be oh, fun. Oh, you just awakened a beast on that one. <laughs> this, is, this is not Vampire the Masquerade, the podcast. <laughs> drow fire? Anyway, I don't what? know. What? That sounds weird. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> that episode was mostly that fight, and then we went back and talked to Unwrapped Harmony and found oh, that star chart. I, I will throw this out there because you guys actually, towards the end of that episode, you opened the door to the courtyard Oh yeah, there was uh, something. Yeah, what in the world was that? That looked and, bad. Uh, I was a little disappointed that none of you stepped <laughs> out there. And uh, we're not stupid. Yeah. So I'll I'll read you this section here. Oh gosh. Along with the ritual to create juju zombies, God Cadaver has also discovered something else in a forgotten tombs: a carrion golem. Ah. Oh. Like all Dark Slayers, Gaunt Cadaver is fascinated with magic, and the golem was the most magical, quote, item he had ever found. Unfortunately, he was utterly unable to control the golem, so he had it brought to the villa and then locked in the courtyard in the hopes that someday he might find a way to command it. The golem attacks anyone entering the courtyard and fights until destroyed. Wow. No thanks. I don't want to fight that. (laughs) That's gross. Carrying golems are fun, though. They carry disease. I could have infected more people. We what? have enough of that going yeah, on. Yeah, I was right going to say, pretty, we're, pretty we're much good. this entire book has been like disease. That is true. Mm-hmm. I think I'm still suffering from mummy rot. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll get it tomorrow. Yeah, and towards the end of that episode, you guys got the star chart. And then I used uh, Augury. Yay. And, and we got our little 
riddle from Horace because he can't just say, hey, go go to the place with the thing. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> it does specifically state that it gives you information, although it's not necessarily. I guess the, the useful bit of information that you got from that is the knowledge that you are in the tomb of Nakat Shepes. Well, and it also gave us the clue that we should be looking for something that has to do with Phrasma at yes. this point. I think Nephrushepis. Nephrush, yes. Yes, Nephrushepis. Yeah, um, I get them confused. Also, before we move on past this episode, was there actually an Ankeg anywhere near that house, or was that like camouflage? There is an Ankeg. If you guys had decided to make the night approach, you would have fought it. Cool. So, yeah, you guys dodged a bullet with that one. Daylight. Yeah, you guys could have. You guys could have made it a night approach and tried to stealth up in the place full of Ankegs are awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if we you guys had waited uh, a little bit longer, you would have had even more Juju zombies to fight. If you decided to wait for like another day before you went in there and. Because he would have killed those three that were alive that we brought back. Yeah, well, and he was in the middle of making a new juju zombie whenever you showed up. Yeah, yeah. So poor guy. So then we have episode fifty-nine where we uh, went to the bathhouse. Mm-hmm. Brief tour of the bathhouse. Had our anime spot, decided to so. take a bath. I took a bath. Uh, yeah. In some nasty mud. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the things you do for treasure. And then we uh, went to the shiny bauble where we met our dragon not quite friend but she doesn't want to eat us that's so awesome. that's a win yeah she is willing to trade with us which uh, will be awesome. helpful later right we at least bump her to like indifferent because uh, like I, I remember we got like a really high diplomacy role on that yeah so you you actually bumped her she to was, um indifferent yeah yeah so she doesn't like i said not quite friend but she doesn't want to eat us so she's willing to trade with us so that's you know we yeah. never traded with a dragon in an adventure path so that's a new one thanks crystal frazier if we bring her some shiny gems maybe yep. we can bump her up even more actually Wide i think you bumped her to gems. friendly not indifferent but. yeah because oh. she was she should have been indifferent when she came up on the roof no she was unfriendly she was, when yeah yeah when you confronted her there she was unfriendly if you'd gone down into her lair she would have started as hostile. You would have had a chance to make a diplomacy check, but at that point, it's like a DC 30 diplomacy check. Well, she already check. thinks we so. somehow got past her and jacked her gym until we were like, no, no, yeah. it's the second one, it's the second one. <laughs> I've been carrying that around for the episode. Check the recording. <laughs> I will, I'll throw this out here and maybe we can post this somewhere up on a, a blog or uh, send out for Twitter or whatever, but there's an awesome picture of what? fighting a crystal dragon. <laughs> that looks way bigger book. than a medium-sized dragon. Yeah, well, they always look bigger in print. <laughs> <laughs> it has to make it look epic. And it wouldn't be epic if it's like a human-sized dragon fighting. Especially since we're all imagining a Lisa Frank dragon. <laughs> oh, she's cute. She's cute. She's pretty adorbs. She's all spiky and wonderful. And so then we were like, hey, let's go to the observatory because that's where this compass, that the one compass that actually worked. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Finally worked. How much of that was us failing the checks to repair it? Oh, probably all of it. Uh, I mean, you could have repaired other ones, but without the... I really appreciated the way that Crystal Fraser set up this book because it actually rewards you for finding these clues and piecing them together because you kind of show up here with no information whatsoever but then as you find them you could have activated any of the elegant compasses but without knowing like where the forgotten cultists were searching or finding the star chart it would have been really hard for you to limit down exactly where you needed to go unless you activated two or three of the compasses which would be an alternative way to find the same information. Yeah but it's every single one of them has been broken or missing pieces so could you if we had made higher rolls could we have actually repaired more than one yeah, of them? Yeah you came actually really close to repairing the one in the bathhouse i just rolled crappy yeah you can't really help the random it's the dice roll yeah in my character's defense though she's probably like i i'm good with traps but this is like way more complicated than anything i've ever dealt with i think it's been a reoccurring thing that craft clockwork is actually a pretty useful thing in this adventure path so far it's one of those weird things what was the other one you said like craft jeweler or something like that and i was like 
man, I can't remember the last time I've ever heard craft jewelry being something that's like useful in the adventure. Yeah, I won't say what adventure path it was in. It is one that you guys have played where there was an occasion where you ran into a, can't remember if it was a puzzle or a haunt that could be solved by making a proper perform keyed instrument. Mm. Oh, I think you had to yeah. play a piano. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I just go on my adventure lugging around my uh, my full grand piano. Guitar. But it, what? it was. I'm yeah. just trying not to add spoilers. Oh, sorry. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if guitars actually exist in this magic land. They do magic now. Land. Yeah. Well, it's like one of those mana waste things that you know people come up with because they can't use magic, or it's a magic guitar. Yeah. So you fix the compass and use that to determine your next destination, which I called, which was very satisfying. The the observatory of truth and wisdom. Yep. And then when we walked in, we're like, oh, there's a giant spiral for Azor on the floor. I think we're in the right place. Did, yeah. like, was the the tomb of the Minquette guy not an observatory? Because I thought we found, like... I thought it was in, like, a library or a school or something. Because he was I in, thought it was, like, an astronomy-related thing. Yeah, the tomb. Well, he was an astronomer, but I don't think it was in an observatory. I think that's why I got confused, because I was like, I thought we had already been to the observatory. No, I think... I mean, they had the stars painted on the ceiling and everything like that, but I think that was just because he was an astronomer. Astronomer. I don't think it was. Well, no, because that was in the basement. Yeah, it was a uh, it was an amphitheater. Mm-hmm. Oh, where they yeah. taught, like, like So it was like a planetarium. Yeah, it was kind of oh, yeah. Okay. It was more of a planetarium than an observatory. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I remembered it being it was like a school or a library or something. It well, again, like when you when you found this, uh, if you'd made, and at the time, I think you guys. I think Jessica just happened to roll a bad die roll, which yeah. isn't necessarily surprising for Jessica. Happened. That you weren't able to determine whether or not the star chart was a legit star chart or a divinatory aid or anything along that. You couldn't determine what the star chart was used for. And if you could have, you would have been able to limit down some of the options of places it could have been from. Because mm. as it stands, you're just kind of like, well, maybe it's this place that teaches uh, prognostications or this other place that's like marvelous map because you couldn't tell if it was a astrology astronomy or navigational aid mm. and it just goes back to die rules i don't well, know and i still think that tomb was super easy to figure out how to open maybe it's just because of the experiences our party has had but i was like that was easy yeah i kind of really liked the uh the effect that it was giving where it's like the blue like the blue kind of shadow of yourself that's like falling behind you mm-hmm. is like a really interesting way to kind of protect the tomb because people would be like oh no there's something bad that's going to happen like we even stopped and we're like something bad about to happen and then it didn't like just a really interesting way to use magic in a non-violent way to kind of scare off people it's kind of how you were saying that the ant cake holes just digging some holes in your yard and making them look like ant cake holes would be a potential thief deterrent Yep. Real you know, cheap like, security system. Yeah, like yeah. The, the people who have like the beware of dog signs on their uh, yeah. like. <laughs> and then their and dog pops up and it's like the friendliest looking thing ever. It's and like a little like, Pomeranian. Ah! It's like. <laughs> 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 exactly. Now, exactly Pomeranians can be pretty vicious. I was going to go for a husky. Huskies, I guess, could be vicious just from their size, but you know. Yeah, but they're pretty adorable they're, in the yeah, face I mean, and like, they sing. Sweet. They sing. They <laughs> do. They sing and it's adorable. I know. Too bad we can't have huskies down here. And you can, but it's mean. It's so mean because it gets hot in here, down here. Yep, getting hot in here. <laughs> <laughs> that was the saddest little laugh, Jessica. That was in my head, but I didn't see it. <laughs> that's, that's good. And then we found the room with all the zombies ever. There were so many. The answer to life, the universe, and everything was in that room. <laughs> 42 zombies. 42. Yep. 12 of which are free. We're yeah, free. The, we got rid of most of them. They're the free range zombies. And then the, <laughs> then the last few of the 
cultists showed up. With their well, we think it's the last few of them because well, like, they're leaders here, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, there could be there could be more after. of them scouring the city. Who knows? Yeah. Although it seems like they were following us because that's their timing was impeccable. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I have. They thanked us. This observation, uh, I cannot say observatory today. It was on their list of things to search. We might have just gotten here a little bit ahead of them, to be perfectly honest. No, yeah. She said, thank you. Thanks for helping me find whatever. Probably because like, we turned on the compass. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, uh, I'll give you a behind the screens here thing, that it's a little bit of that classic thing from, I'm nearly positive that they've done it in Indiana Jones, and I know it's been in every single Uncharted game ever made, which I love the Uncharted games, where the bad guy goes, well, I can't find this thing, so I'm just going to let the good guys go around and do their thing and then just tell them and then show up once they've done all the work for me. Yep. Yeah. So you guys kept making those perception rolls and thinking that they're undead or ghouls or something waiting and watching you because you kept making these sense motive and perception checks. But it's really just cultists that have been stalking you through the city streets. Those jerks. Yep. Makes sense. We get to go and fight all the, you know, the undead ahead of them. Hey, and but we have three Sobek. Can they have this really cool ability that I'm actually kind of surprised you didn't use against us when we fought them? I think you have to like grapple and hold the individual. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it does a lot of damage while they try the, to rip your soul out of your body. When I ran the Sobek, they never succeeded in grappling any of you. So they're going to try. They're going to try real hard. <laughs> they're like little Dementor dogs. <laughs> yeah, they're actually really adorable, and I kind of want one. They're fabulous. Only <laughs> because <laughs> they've got like the really roughly like feather you know, boa, feather, like fluffy uh, coat. They're low enough hit die that you could take the leadership feat and have one as a pet. Nice. But I kind of and I kind of want one. Or like a summoner with the psychopomp summon. If you were playing a summoner, you wouldn't have an Isobek. You'd have your own little psychopomp that you create with whatever evolutions you give it. So You can yeah. make it look whatever you want, so you can make it, it look, look like, like that. It could look like an Isobek. Yeah, but well, it wouldn't they, have its cool soul-rippy ability. Yeah, and the summon specifically states that it cannot look so close to another creature that it mm -hmm. is identical to it. Ah. Mm -hmm. So it w you can make something that looks very similar to this, but... It's got, like, duck feet instead of clawed feet or something like that. Yeah, I, th I think the argument is so that you can't just go, I have a summon that looks like a bear. It looks exactly like a bear. It has the stats of a bear. <laughs> GM, don't you get it? Well, more just so that no one can tell that you're a summoner. They just think. You're oh a bear. yeah, yeah, to camouflage. Well, doesn't it still have the? It has the symbol that you have on your. It could be a bear with a hat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when you summon, <laughs> when you summon it, you and the summon get the thing on, like the whatever. Yeah, but you can cover it with a hat. Forehead. You can cover it. It can't so be. So be a bear with a hat, like a bear with a straw hat, or Smokey the bear. Yogi the or bear. Or a top hat. He's a very dapper bear. Oh Yogi gosh. wore. Yeah, I guess Yogi did wear a hat. Did you? Wait. Yogi what? wore a hat and a tie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. And a collar, but no shirt. He's got a picnic basket. Yeah, yeah he, he had a collar. collar with a tie. And boo -boo. And the hat. And Boo Boo wore a, a vest, didn't he? Did I he have he a, had a hat bow tie? Too? No, he, he had, had a bow tie. tie. Yeah. yeah. He was annoying. <laughs> hey, Boo Boo. We're going to get us a picnic basket. Yep. Nice. That's the only impression pretty, I can good actually on, do. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like the only impression I can actually do is Yogi Bear, apparently. <laughs> it's Jordan's next character voice. No. no. Oh, my why, God. why would you do that? Hey, on yours. I need a little bit of healing. <laughs> oh, my God. Could you please give me a dap? <laughs> With my copesh in your face. Yes. <laughs> Devil. Oh, shink, shink. If I didn't think the audience would get real tired of that, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, we're not going to flick that on our list. And then halfway through that fight, the cultists showed up. Yep. And that's where we are now. It came from behind. I know, we totally Infinity Wars this thing. We're going to have to do it in two episodes. 
<laughs> it's not our first. It's not our first split encounter. No. no, it's not. But this is a real big one. I think our first split encounter was the uh, fight with the div and the. Uh, yeah, the yeah. The scorched yeah. hand got yeah. split up too, didn't they? No, the scorched no. hand was all done in one. Yeah. Um, and then of course the the rolling encounter that was the auction was I think a three parter. Yeah. I, I, uh, that lasted a while. Auction. Anyway, so that's where we are. And yeah. Our wonderful story of Mummy's Mask. Undead and zombies and... Now exploding cultists. Exploding cultists. Yeah. Really not looking forward to more exploding cultists. It's true. I'll be looking forward to enemies that don't just explode. The zombies didn't explode. It's true. Although there is, I think, an exploding zombie subtype. It wouldn't surprise me. I feel like there's a subtype of everything for zombies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the zombies are kind of fun, though, because every now and then Paizo throws in a moment where you feel super bad. Yeah. Slash yeah. powerful. Yep. And uh, getting Killing to, three like, zombies in one round was pretty nice. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> it's just funny I for me like because this. I still don't feel super powerful because they have the damage reduction. And I was like, I could spend a move action to pull a dagger, but I'm just going to punch him. <laughs> not not my wisest move. Any pummeling strikes so badly. Yes. <laughs> we level up fairly soon. Yep. Soon. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Leveling up is always fun. So, emails. Emails. Fun, fun. Our first email those? is from Steve in uh, Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, Fargo. Um, <laughs> have to figure out where that oh, is. Oh, don't North you know? Somewhere North Dakota. Don't start again. Oh, Cyrus. Let's see. North Dakota's cold. It's up north. Yeah. Land of the Linorm Kings. I was going to say it's somewhat <laughs> sparsely populated. We haven't put anyone in Bravoy in a long time. Yeah, probably. Oh, but we had a whole thing about putting somebody in Bravoy. What about Erison? Have we put anybody in Erison? <laughs> Hopefully, he's a we witch. should probably have a map of where we put people. Have <laughs> <laughs> to listen to every after party to figure it out. But you know, all right. Well, let's let's, let's think. White Castle. Yeah. No, what's the name of Erison Town? White Castle. You were thinking the burgers. White Throne. White Throne. The place Harold and Kumar don't go. White Throne. You want to be from White Throne, Steve? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I hope you like witches. I hope you like witches and or chicken huts. Ah, oh, I love oh, yeah, chicken, chicken huts. Hut. He's from a random chicken hut, actually. And is he the, is no, he the he's not the Bobby Yaga. Is he the doll in the chicken hut? There, there are no. multiple chicken huts in Erison. Yeah, they, they guard the perimeter of Erison. Chicken huts are cool. So, yeah, we'll give, we'll give Steve his own uh, chicken hut that he can wander around. <laughs> I mean, it's there pretty ballsy. It's a rogue chicken hut. It only requires you to have your soul sucked I have you. played in a game once where we did get to play the chicken hut, and it's pretty bad <laughs> in combat. Like, it's not playing around. Yeah, they give you the stats for the chicken huts. They, uh, they wreck face. Well, right, Steve then. from Erison, who is in possession of his own chicken hut, says... Yep. It's terrible. I started your show about three weeks ago. Thanks. And after this episode, I'm all caught up. So after listening to you guys and the wonderful party dynamics and story on average of two to three episodes a day, I'm now down to waiting an entire week. Oh. You played yourself. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you could have dragged that over months. (laughs) Definitely would be all for listening to other adventures from you all. I had to, like, separate that. My my instinct was from y'all, because, you know, Texas. Oh, yeah, Dakota, (laughs) you all. Yeah. It's, it's just a natural <laughs> instinct. Just do it. I also had a question. My group of friends has recently shown some interest in tabletop, and I plan on capitalizing on that and running a game for them. I have the books for both Pathfinder and 5E, and I've heard good things about both. Just curious what your thoughts are for which system to use for an entirely new group. Huh. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, I'm always going to say Pathfinder. That's just I me. mean, we're, we're obviously a Pathfinder actual play. 5E is a lot easier to get into. Yes. 
if you yourself aren't comfortable. I haven't. I haven't ever played Five E. So yeah, Pathfinder is is easy enough as long as the person running it knows the rules. Oh yeah. Wait for second edition. Yes. Yeah, you could wait <laughs> Actually, for second yeah, edition. That might not be uh, yeah, that you idea. could wait for second edition Pathfinder and then just jump in when everybody else is just as learning the rules. Yeah, I I think a good suggestion is if you're if all of your player base are not experienced with gaming, then D and D is a little bit easier to learn. If they have some experience with just general tabletop games and everything, I think you can jump into Pathfinder mm-hmm. without too much of an issue. And Pathfinder especially first edition still provides so many options that it's nearly impossible to not make the character that you want to make. Yeah. Although Um, it can be overwhelming. It can be a little bit overwhelming to start with, but a beginner's box. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because they scaffold the rules down. Sorry, teacher term. They break the rules down. (laughs) Um, Or B just wait till second edition. Cause that seemed a lot like more user friendly. I can't remember the name of the adventure off the top of my head. So I've, apologize for that but jason bullman the creative director i think yeah i can never remember his proper title i think i messed it up when i interviewed the Paizo him guy wrote a introductory adventure for second edition that is supposed to oh, walk yeah. you through all the new mechanics and everything for second edition so when that comes out a little bit after this after party will i think it'll only be a couple more weeks until second edition when this after party drops yeah i um, want to play that adventure yeah, and it looks really good. Yeah, if so. you're going for, if you do go into Pathfinder, uh, there is, I think, is this a society module uh, called First Steps? Oh. The First Step modules and also the, uh, another Jason Bullman plug here, but Jason Bullman's Crypt of the Everflame yeah, is a great introductory yeah. adventure. Uh, both of those are really good at giving you like kind of somewhat structured mechanics. Like First Steps uh, is like your introduction to the Pathfinder society. And they have you go on like small missions that are kind of targeted to certain parts of the game. Yeah, yeah that's the first are, thing we played. Yeah, it was one of the first things we played. I found it super helpful to like compartmentalize the rules a little bit. Yeah, yeah. the first step series is a three part series. They are retired now from Pathfinder Society Play, but they are available for free on Paizo's website. Yep. yep. So there's lots of options. Kids. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you're if they have no experience in gaming whatsoever. Second edition or 5e, if they have some experience in tabletop gaming, nothing wrong with Pathfinder First Edition. We obviously love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve has a PS. He says, I don't know if any of you watched the cartoon Tuttenstein, but that's immediately who I thought of when Rick described the Dark Folk. <laughs> yes. Yes. We've, We've referenced that before. Tutten- yes. Keep Tuttenstein. up the good work. I look forward to listening to more party antics for a while more. Steve from not Fargo, from Irison and his own chicken hut. Ah, jealous of chicken hut. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to have a creepy mobile, not mobile, uh, wind chime made of bones. Oh. Like ribs. <laughs> Rib bones, yeah, yeah. The most beautiful uh, bones. Our second email is from Lauren, who's from the Churlwood. I think she's written him before. Yes, we've heard from Lauren before. She says, I just finished listening listening to After Party episodes 52 to 54. I just wanted to say congratulations on a, one year of podcasting. I hope Thank there you. are many more to come. Woo-hoo. Us too. And then she says, during this episode, Rick mentioned some overlooked rules pertaining to spells, specifically the one about if a confused person is attacked, they can choose to attack that person and not have to roll. There are a few others mentioned about Featherfall and Mirror Image. These were all super interesting to hear about. I recently learned I was making a huge mistake with Summon Monster 1. I thought it was just an action and then found out it was actually a full round action, so I shouldn't have been moving after casting it. These not so well-known rules should really be fun. Would be really fun to learn about. I love to hear a top ten overlooked rule section for spells, actions, and combat, or whatever else comes up. 
if not on an after party, maybe it could be something you could tweet once a week, like a Forgotten Rules Friday or something like that. Ooh. Best Lauren, still perched on my small tree in the Trollwood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, I think I think I did that in episode 60 that I mentioned the charging mechanics for staggered creatures that you can still charge as a action. Mm. I don't know if uh, we have enough of them to do a weekly I, thing. I think when it comes to the spells, it's not—it's just people think they know how a mechanic on a spell works as we've cast it before. And You yeah. know what I think it is? Is uh, in the core rule book, if you're just looking at like the abbreviated version, it doesn't oh, yeah. list everything. And sometimes that's just what I go off of. And then Rick's like, oh, maybe you should check that. And then I go in the actual section. I was like, yeah, that's well, it. Yeah. Totally it's wrong. one of those ironic twists that uh, <laughs> the higher... Uh, level a character gets the higher level spells that they use the less mistakes they make with the spells because people just assume that they know how mirror image works yeah so i guess like the mirror image ones that was mentioned that is if you miss by five or less then you actually hit one of the images uh yeah. instead of just missing your target entirely the confusion one that we mentioned previously the big one with feather falls that it works on objects also so people only ever use it when Oh, well, I'm falling off of something, but you can actually use it for if you're a fourth level caster, you can stop a huge size statue from falling on your head. That's nice. Make it do half damage by just casting Featherfall. I think really the only other big ones that immediately jump to mind are uh, that I hear, and it bothers me that people don't work it correctly as invisibility. Oh, yeah. That if you hit someone with an arrow, that an object only turns invisible if that person takes that object and puts, puts it inside of something that's already invisible. So if you pick up a statue, it doesn't turn invisible. It only turns invisible if you put that inside of your invisible backpack. Mm. If you shoot someone with an arrow, that arrow will be sticking out of that person for the rest of the combat. We actually used that in some of the other games where somebody had an ability to see it and they shot them with the arrow and then everybody else had the just the had an idea you of the square the person still, was in yes. instead of... So that's a common one. A game master can, of course, argue that the invisible creature can use a move action to pull that arrow out, but then they're still using up their move action to do that. So I think that's one of the other ones that kind of jumps in. I guess in answer to your uh, suggestion, I think what we're going to try to do is just be a little bit more cognizant of when we run into more obscure rule things to explain them to the audience. Because again, we, we've been playing this game for so long that I think sometimes we take for granted that some of the the rules I mean, that we use that are more obscure. I'm surprised sometimes when people say, oh, that's obscure, and I'm like, I, what? So Yeah, that, that's kind of the advantage of having like somebody like Rick as the GM is that we've learned. He's been very good about reminding us every single time for like the first two years exactly how the mechanics work, and now it's internalized, and we don't have to think about yeah, it anymore. That's part of the reason I don't have characters use Summon Monster, because it's a whole entire full round, and I'm like, unless we're really in trouble, but you are, did use it. there are more advantageous things that I could be doing. Sobek. Yeah. It did, uh, I think, was a slight detriment, I think, the first year we went to PaizoCon because we were, we had just learned all the rules. We were like, yeah, we know what we're doing. And then we sat in on a society module and they were like making little mistakes and we're just sitting there like with veins twitching, like, that's not right. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of cool because we were all like, I don't know. We've only been playing like a year. Like maybe we don't know the rules that well. And then you go there and you're like, oh yeah, I know the rules. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I guess why I do have this soapbox and talking about invisibility, I just want to throw out there real quick. Fighting defensively is a dodge bonus and therefore does not apply to your flat foot AC if an invisible creature attacks you. That feels like a very uh, pointed... <laughs> 
I, I've heard that so often. So just for a reminder, everyone out there, fighting defensively does not work against invisible creatures. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely you can't pointed. can't defend against what you can't see. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine who that's for. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Huh. Anyway. <laughs> Carrying um. on. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess See? I guess the best way to make sure you're running a spell or anything else correctly is just every once in a while, just look at it and make sure you remember how to run it correctly. I mean, I pull up my spells when I play a character that casts spells every time. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's like a first level spell I've cast a thousand times. I know this is uh, one of Heather's biggest wants from Paizo, but it would be nice if there was just a spell compendium. <sighs> That'd be nice. I know. Uh, That'd be, be nice. so nice. Because I'm a book person. Like, I'm fine but- looking it up on my I, phone, but I, I I find that I'm often faster just flipping through a book. That would have been a great last hardback book. Yeah, the spell, yeah. the spell compendium of when 3.5 was one of the books, kind of like, you know, the um, core rule book that I ended up carting around everywhere with me because yeah. it's, here's everything. So there was less <laughs> Googling on the phone. There was less... I can't remember what book this came out of. Um, uh, it's a lot of going into archives of Nethys. Yeah. Um, especially uh, yeah. if you pick something obscure. I will give a shout out actually to another, uh, I guess another content creator, but another podcast out there. Param of No Direction has spell cards that are like the D&D 5E spell, spell cards uh, for Pathfinder. Those are nice That cards. are exceptionally well made. So uh, if- can't, Are those available for purchase? Yeah. Why have you never told? Oh my god, I need these in my life now. Actually, I don't. It's, I think they're free. What? You, it's just a PDF you download, and it's formatted already. So you just print it off on cardstock, and then you have your own spell cards. Yeah, I that's the reason I've never done it because I don't want to have to print it myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think he's a little behind right now, but nice. Yeah, when they catch up with the end of first edition, I will definitely download that PDF and maybe have to throw some money at Kinkos to print them out real nice and. Yes, but thank you for your email, Lauren. It was nice to hear from you again. Yes. Yes. Uh, As a side note also, Lauren is also Larlar831, who we gave a shout out to not too long ago. So they're actually one of the same people. Okay. Nice. She is the one, not the other 830, which I think Jordan made that joke when he read it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like something Jordan would do. That does sound exciting. Thank you, Larlar. Okay. What's next? Aren't we casting a deity? I, mean, I think we should. Yeah, the same thing we do every three weeks, cast a deity. So, yeah, we're down to bouncing a d10 now. Oh. So bounce a d10. Oh. oh. Or bounce a d20 and divide it by two, whichever you prefer. Six on a d10. Six, you say? Mm-hmm. Who have we got? Oh, this one's going to be interesting. Don't keep us in suspense. For today, we're going to be casting Aruri, the Master of Masters. Ooh. The God oh. of history, knowledge, and self-perfection. Uri was uh, once a mortal man whose intense discipline allowed him to obtain enlightenment and divinity through physical, mental, and spiritual perfection. He teaches that mastery of the self allows one to master the world, but paradoxically also purges one of the desire to master the world. Countless others seek to follow his path, and he encourages them to change their minds, bodies, and souls in order to transcend their self-imposed limits. He is also a god of knowledge. His followers are keen students of history, for experience is the key to understanding, and there is much to be learned from the experience of others. Uh, If it helps you, Iori's followers rarely depict him in art because they believe that no icon can hope to live up to his perfect image. They describe him in poetry and pose as a flawless man clothed in simple robes and wooden sandals, hairless save for a long braid. 
Beyond the Inner Sea region, his race often changes to reflect that of the artist. Artists in the Inner Sea depict him in ways that emphasize his exoticism. Iori sees no need to cloak himself in mystery or augment himself with divine power. So on the rare occasions when he manifests to mortals, he appears as a physically fit man matching his followers' descriptions. Often sitting. Hmm. Easy. Done. Yeah, I was going to say, I know, I know who I picked. Really? Yeah. Because I have no clue. I bet mine's going to be the same as Rachel's, but I could be wrong. I doubt it. I have two very interesting choices. and huh. I really am at a complete and total loss here. I actually have a third one that I like, too. Oh, my God. Pick one, woman. I one. hate you. Do you want me to give you my third one? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I was going to say, one. I've got, like, two or three myself, so. Well, I'm to your left. Shall I start? Yeah, because I got nothing. All right. I want to go, and I might be, I don't know if I'm going to be stealing this from someone. I would like to go with Chow Yun-Fat. Okay. You didn't. Yeah, that was uh, that was one uh, of my considered ones. I, I love him in almost everything that he's done. He's, extru- he's Jackie Chan levels of pro- in almost every single movie. He is such a prolific film artist. But yep. uh, I don't know if anyone else saw the the film, and I've actually only seen clips of it, but uh, where he played Confucius in uh, the movie Confucius a couple of years back. Uh, I did not see I that. I saw a couple of clips where I actually haven't seen the whole movie, but... I would believe him to be a man that has achieved spiritual perfection. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought the same thing because I'm like, he's also like got that air of not being like kind of snooty about it, you know? Like, um, he's very like kind of down to earth, which I think kind of works really well with Rory. Absolutely. Yep. So I, th- I think the only big misstep he's made in recent years was being in the Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Z movie. <laughs> I mean, but, everybody who was in that movie made a mistake. Everyone, so. <laughs> everyone made a horrible, horrible mistake that day. <laughs> Except for whoever the the guy who played Goku was, because I'd never heard of him before. So he was also he was in uh, Shameless. Yeah, what? And uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, wasn't he? Oh, uh, was he? Oh, I haven't seen really Pirates of the yeah, Caribbean. He was yeah. the he was the uh, pirate captain. Yeah. That uh, Kira Knightley took over for. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. Anyway, but no, Chow Young Fat. I love the guy. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that's good. That's a good pick. Bruce Lee. Bruce oh. Lee, also very, very good. Oh, pick. that's a good one. I really like that's him for one. it. No, I actually really like him for that. Although, uh, then I can all I can imagine is uh, Iori just sitting there with that classic Bruce Lee smirk that he has in like every single fight scene <laughs> that he ever true. does. Yes. Just saying, yeah. Bruce Lee. <laughs> very good. When I think of like martial arts and I think of like discipline. That guy. He, he definitely embodies the uh, achieving physical perfection. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so for me, uh, Chow Yun-Fat's already taken, uh, so I go to one of my secondary options, uh, which is Jet Li. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, there's a clear theme here that we're following. <laughs> martial arts. Um, I will say, hands down, Hero is still my favorite uh, martial arts wire foo movie. The yeah, Hero is that, just a phenomenal story. That, that's exactly what I'm thinking, because he just like embodies that perfect calm. Yes. In that movie, uh, which just yeah, that that specific Jet Li incarnation was what I was thinking of. I have nothing else to add to that. So, Jet Li is phenomenal. Yeah, Jet Li's real good. Hero again, mm-hmm. one of the best movies. If you have not seen Hero, go out and watch Hero. Go right watch now. Hero for sure. So I went through a whole process with this because okay. when you first read the description, I was like, Hugh Laurie, because he's pompous and historical. <laughs> <laughs> physical uh, perfection. <laughs> well, I didn't hear that part. It was just the historian part. And okay. then I was like, oh, physical perfection. That doesn't work. <laughs> and so then I actually went briefly for Tay Diggs until you said ponytail. <laughs> okay. So then I've settled on what I think is perfect, but it's to each. Perfection is subjective. Uh, Mark DeCascos. He plays Manny. 
from Brotherhood of the Wolf. Yeah. I'm gonna need a picture to go yeah, with that because I have, no I have idea not seen is. that. I have no idea who you're talking about. Oh my god, he's like the best. Oh, oh yeah, that guy. Okay, okay. So he he the only movie that I really know him famously in is that one. He's actually going to be in the upcoming John Wick movie. Hmm. Um, oh, okay. I, I I saw him in the previews and I was like, oh, it's Manny, because <laughs> that's like I do love thing. Brotherhood of the Wolf. Uh, but you Martin Dukaskas, he he actually uh, was the host of the Iron Chef show yeah. for a while. Yeah, huh. which oh, I really? thought was kind of weird. But yeah, huh. he's a fantastic martial artist. He's got wonderful range and he just has that really intense look like he just knows what he's talking about Mark yes. Cascos. in addition to watching heroes go watch Brotherhood of the Wolves uh, as wolf. a side note yeah, Brotherhood of the Wolf uh, as a side note subs not dubs yeah don't watch the watch dubs. it in the original oh franchise. yeah any, just, any of those movies definitely always watch the uh, the subtitled version but it is a beautiful movie yeah that's my choice based on a true story alright so hey. I'm gonna go with Donnie Yen who was in Rogue One He's cheer it. Yeah, yeah, cheer it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I am one with the force. The force, the force is, is with me. me. Oh, yeah. There you go. He's great. That's fantastic. He's great. Also, really funny guy in real life. I've seen yeah. a lot of interviews with him. He's hilarious. He's hilarious. He was pretty funny in that movie while still being serious. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. He was the Ip Man, too. Yeah. Wait, he he was Ip Man? Yeah. Yeah, he's what? Ip Man. Yeah, you didn't know that? God, Ip Man movies are so good, too. They're making a fourth one now. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've only ever seen the first two. I, I'm going to have to go back and watch them now. He's got a pretty good filmography. Okay. So, yeah, there are our choices for Iori. All right, we got to decide who of the five. I'm actually okay with Donnie Yen, as much as I love Chow Young Fat. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess now, if we were like doing this now, Chow Young Fat may be a little old for physical perfection. So, yeah, he's so great. Donnie Yen's actually, uh, like, he's in his 40s, isn't he? He looks pretty dang good. (laughs) Um, So, we're going with Donnie Yen? No, standoff. Standoff? All right, who are you going with? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's not a very compelling mind. argument. <laughs> Jessica's argument is let the fans decide. That's my yeah, argument. Yeah, I think let the okay, fans decide. Okay, all right. Yeah, She's taking I, the Godzilla approach of let them fight. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I was going to say, because I, I, I feel really strongly about all of them, and I kind of want all of them. I so. need everyone to go watch Brotherhood of the Wolf and then vote for mine. Yeah. <laughs> or just Iron Chef. Or just go watch Hero <laughs> and then pick Jet Li. Yeah. Yeah. I like Unleashed. Oh my god! Oh, Unleashed was so a weird good. movie. It was but not it was... good for the purpose of convincing people that he should be a Rory, but that's gonna be no. Good. It's definitely not like that. But he did a fantastic job of being like a wild man. Yeah. Hero, however. Yeah, that's, I, I thought specifically hero. of Hero when I thought of Jet Li. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we can just leave it at that. So I guess that's it for After Party Twenty. Yep. All righty. Good luck, Pathfolk. Yep. Good luck, Pathfolk. Yes. Folk. <laughs> oh, folk. I forgot to say path folk. It all just became one word. Oh, okay. I thought you were you starting to go like. You did say it. I know, but then I said it again and I only said And all polk. she said was poke. <laughs> so I, was like, what? I said polk. There's an L in there. She's subtle. Polk? Like James K. Polk? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, polk. Until we'll next see you time. See next time. Good luck, Pathfinders. Uh, <laughs> out here repping some dead presidents. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like one of those like rapper like uh <laughs>